Welcome to the Jesus Said Love podcast. This is a space where we talk about what it means to awaken hope and empower change. Listen, for over a decade, Em and I have been fostering relationships with men and women who've been impacted by the commercial sex industry. And it's through those relationships that Jesus Said Love was born. We figured it was time to talk about what this ministry has taught us and is still teaching us along the way. I promise it's going to be a place of conversation and story. And we hope you learn something new. Maybe you see something in a new way. Fun fact, you're going to hear music because Brett and I are musicians. Yep. We can't just talk. Nope. we got to sing and play too. We do. Here's the deal, guys. Our hope is that as you hear these stories, that you'll tap into your own story and that you'll be encouraged to live and love well like Jesus. Emily. Hey. We're back. Yes, we are here. On this fine podcast day. There you go. I'm excited to be with you. Thanks. Me too. So we were just talking about parenting. Yeah. And it looks like we're going to keep talking about parenting. I think we are just because people said, and I want to talk about this more. I, obviously, we could talk about parenting all day long. It's just we're still in the thick of it. You never really fully get out of the thick of it, no, do you? I, and I, I do have to say, I, we're experts oh, at goodness. parenting Okay, simply mm-hmm. because we're parents. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, but we're not the greatest parents on the face of the planet. <laughs> right. No. Uh, uh, we've probably made some bad decisions Man, at times. There's no doubt about it. But I think we have to learn from our bad decisions, and it's okay to talk about those. Yeah. And to not be embarrassed by them. And some of them are funny, and some of them are like, ooh, I'm not ready to talk about that yet. Yeah. There's just been a lot, I feel like, along this journey where our faith and our... Oh my gosh, speaking of parenting, Hattie is calling me right now. So what She's do you supposed do? To be okay, out of so let's let's take this parenting I need, moment. I need it. What Hold do on. you do in this moment? Hattie, I am I'm podcasting right now, honey. Oh shoot, sorry, bye. What <laughs> no, hey. It's okay. You're you're supposed to be going home with Ellie, right? I am, I am. Okay. Hey, and, don't say and, don't say any bad words. I'm in a I will I'll just text you. I'll text you. Okay. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Okay. See, so there, that parenting moment. We're in the middle of freaking podcasting and she calls and you answered. Well, I didn't screen her. Good job. Well, because she didn't know we've, you know, I knew she was going somewhere for, they've got prom tomorrow. And so she was going to go get her nails done after school, but that ride was secured. So I didn't know she was going to be calling me right now. Anyway. And can we talk about the fact briefly for a second that we have a daughter who's 16 who (sighs) does not have her license yet? Yeah. It's so crazy. But part of that, I feel like is my fault as a parent because we, we have been so slammed. We have been so busy. I mean, she has the hours, but Honestly, I don't think she can pull off the parallel parking thing. No, nobody so, can. Well, they've got big cones. I've heard it's it's fine if you go out there. But yeah, I mean, scheduling and timing and making sure you're... And the week, every weekend has been spent on volleyball or doing a ministry event or... Did you get your license on your birthday? You know, I, I actually, I don't even remember. It's all a blur. Okay, I, just, I, I did. Yeah. Well, you also got a car for your birthday, so... I was not. Why in, are you saying that with such a 
something in your voice. You just, you even got a car for your birthday. Well, I did contempt, maybe. I don't know. I think, I think it's just like, well, of course you did. Like everything that you, it was like going to be on the day and it was going to be the biggest deal. And I was like. My car even had a bow on it. Oh, of course. You're so privileged. (laughs) (laughs) You're beyond. So. So let's talk about this though, because of our backgrounds and where we come from. Yeah. Um, we have this uh, rule for our kids that we will match what they earn up to a certain amount, mm-hmm. and and so we're asking our kids to buy their own car, right? To, to put money, to have that. some yep. investment in their own car. They've known that since they were about thirteen, and Lucy was eleven. Yeah, which is different, right? From like, yeah, they, they, she had her birthday and she didn't have a car. Yeah, I think I blew through some hand-me-down cars for sure, um, and you know, I definitely had a job. You know, I was a, like a camp counselor, and then um, I worked at this T-shirt, this place called Spin Out yeah. in Tyler, which I think still exists. But they had like the spin paint machine, like that, puff paint, like puff paint, like you paint and so the sweatshirt yes, thing around the neck. Totally, that is glitter. So... I could do glitter. I could do some serious like cursive, like hand lettering. Did you do a, any Christmas ones? Like, oh, I did. Totally did Christmas. We had like stencils, and yeah. then yeah, it mm. was. It was intense. So yeah, that was my... cute. So I think jobs are important. I think investment into their own car is important because they want to take care of of it. Can we talk about the fact you drove BMW though? Yeah, like a 1982 that was like spray painted. Okay, but it was still a Beamer. Yeah, it was great. It was like Reality Bites for those Gen Xers who remember... Winona Ryder in Reality Bites, like Diet Coke, smoking cigarettes. Like that was, <laughs> <laughs> that was it. It was oh, amazing. I just, I just, I can still see you driving around Baylor campus in that. And Beamer we shared, with, my sister and I mm. shared that car when we both got to Baylor. With well, no that AC. one was a stick shift. So we, yeah, that one with no AC mm-hmm. in Texas. It was hot. Yeah. The heater worked amazing. So I had air conditioning in my Saturn. Saturn. The plastic car. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. And the electric. Remember those seat belts that would hang us every time we would get in there? Yeah. I don't even think those are legal anymore. Yeah, I don't think they are. I don't think they're legal. Okay. Well, that's a little bit about where we've come from and where we're at now with the reality of Hattie being a 16-year-old, like, learning to drive, which we're going to get there. We're going we're gonna to make it happen. But what I think becomes... Um, a really interesting thing that as we've been doing ministry with women in the commercial sex industry and families within the commercial sex industry and um, just diverse, you know, upbringings and diverse um, economic situations and different living. Like we've been in multiple, I mean, we've gone to, I think of this, this one story where I remember we had a woman who we'll call her Tori, and Tori was a mom of um, four young kids. She had a baby daddy in prison who had been mailing her bullets and saying, "I'm up for you know parole on this date, and I'm coming for you." He was her pimp, mm. so he was baby daddy, but he was also pimp. And so, how does someone in jail mail mail bullets? Yeah, I don't know. I think he had like maybe someone do it for him. I don't That's know. That's weird. Well, it's yeah. How do people get half of what they get in prison? Please, fair point. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. She's she's on the run. She's super under resourced. Um, she 
had a mom in town, but the mom didn't want anything to do with her because, you know, she was just like, this is too messy. I don't want to be involved. And, um, I remember Lucy and Gus were in the car with me. I think Hattie must've been at a friend's, but you know, we, we went to check out the situation at, at this motel, you know, off of like Waco drive, really kind of shady situation to just kind of see what her living situation was and, and what kind of food she had. And if there were, if there was formula and how the baby, if there were diapers and if the baby was okay. And, um, it just became this really just incredible moment for me with the kids to see like, this is parenting too. Like we, we are so blessed with the resources that we have. And here is this mom living in poverty, running from her pimp who's in prison. And, you know, I didn't necessarily share all that. I mean, Gus, you know, was in a cart, like little car seat. He may have been even two at the time, but, um, and he may not even remember it right now, but, you know, Lucy's watching and seeing. And so I'm not really going over like the full scope of the tragic story that this is. Instead, it's like, how can we just engage in love right here where we're at and understand, you know, all I can, all I can think is there's no rule book for this. I'm not asking each moment of the way, like, Hmm, let me check my protocols and safety procedures (laughs) for parenting before we go and see this situation. Well, you know, you use that term a lot, incarnational ministry or this, you know, incarnational community where it's all involved. It's incarnational parenting as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, we don't separate the two. Yeah. I mean, the kids have been to the, they've been to strip clubs in the parking lot That's at least. That's true. Yeah. Um, because there were some outreaches we couldn't get babysitters. Right. So it's like, does that mean we don't go and live up to what we've said to do? Or do we just use discernment as we go Right. and trust God? And some may go, well, there might be shooting at the strip club and you just endanger your kids. Well, there might be, but there also might be a drive-by at your house. Totally. Yeah. We can't like skirt every safety issue along the way. Parenting is about letting go. And it's also about, it's, it's letting go of these I think sometimes we as parents want to control informational input from, quote, the world Mm -hmm. because we're so scared of our kids having their own thoughts. Mm. And really letting go is about letting go of the control that you want to have over your kids' thought processes. I mean... I'm not saying that there's not guided exposure. I definitely believe in shepherding your to to what's appropriate and using discernment and sure. wisdom there. But if you want your kid to never have a new thought that might be different than yours, I don't know that that's healthy parenting. Right, I agree. I I don't think that either of us should be threatened if Hattie comes home and has a different political thought than and I do. I'm not threatened by that. No. And and these have come up. Yeah. I mean, my kids have different thoughts than I did at that age mm-hmm. because I was growing up under a different roof and under a different mindset and culture and influences. And so, I mean, yeah, they have, they have different thoughts, you know, um, and they will continue to grow and have their own individual perspective. I think the, the, I think the other thing that we do as parents is we, 
we almost measure our um, how well or not well we are doing as parents based on the performance of our children. It's sick, and that's really kind of gross. It's it is it is a reality, but it is probably one of the most detrimental things that I feel like I see even among friends or especially among the church and faith communities. Oh. That that's where it becomes such territory for darkness. Truly, the darkness. Mm. When you are measuring your own personal worth on and grading, you know, how your child is, quote, representing the family out in the world, like what kind of belonging is that? Conditional. It's conditional love. It's conditional belonging, you know, and it does not foster connection and it doesn't foster the ability for our kids to be vulnerable and open and communicating with us when they feel like they're struggling. Yeah. You know, if it's all contingent upon like, Oh, what are mom and dad going to think? You know? Um, okay. So, yeah. So you and I got married and two years later we got pregnant. Yes. And, and our plan, do you remember when our, you remember how long we wanted know. to wait? I mean, like maybe five years. Yeah, we, we wanted to like wait five see years. the world. It's a little and, over two. Yeah, we bam. were also babies when we got married. We were, t- I was 22. 22. You were 24. I know. That's, I mean, we will be married 20 years next January. And it just seems like yesterday. <sighs> I know. It seems like a lifetime ago. It I does. mean, it seems like I can see it, but it's, it's like we've lived. Five million lifetimes already. So, so we have to figure out how to be parents of this newborn baby mm. girl. Mm-hmm. And I think we read a book. Didn't we read a book? Oh, we read so many books. I mean, I was, I was, um, you say we. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> read the book. I just, you just told me about the book. <laughs> Is that not how most of our life has gone where it's like. I really wanted to read the book. You but, really want to read every book. But the book was about feeding schedule. and I Oh, mean, it was baby-wise. I'm it was not back doing, in that. I mean. No. Oh, my gosh. I'm we, here to support you, but I'm dry. Well, it was a lot of information to take in. And, of course, it was like fear-mongering in some ways because it's like if you do this one thing wrong, <laughs> like your kid's going to grow up with like huge inabilities to self-soothe and um, like, you know, all this stuff. And I'm like. I remember our first week, like on the road with Hattie. It was like we're throwing this flipping book like out the yeah, that book window. Did, that, bro- that book didn't work for. Her. I mean, it two two weeks not, in her, into her little life, and uh, we're on the road to Austin to go to the studio to work on an album, and that stupid book didn't fit our schedule. No, and she would she wouldn't nurse. She wouldn't latch on. I really wanted to breastfeed. I had all these like things. It was like she's gonna do this, and we're gonna do this, and da 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 da, and. And, you know, thank God I had kids because it's such a disruption. <laughs> it's mm. like Boys, you have got to freaking let go and you can't control it. And the other thing that I had thought just the other day when I was, um, I don't, I don't know. I was just thinking and praying for the kids and I remembered how scared I used to get. Do you remember this? When the kids got sick? Yes. Do you remember that? I mean, I... Like my anxiety level would go through the roof when the kids were sick and we didn't know what it was. If it was like you take them to the doctor and it's like, oh, no, it's not strep. It's not the flu. Like it's just a virus. Mm -hmm. And I would have so much anxiety and panic over that. My anxiety in those instances only came with vomit. Right. Well, you know, as 
it's you've always had an issue there. Otherwise, I'm good. I'll help you. You cut your hand off. All right, I'll pick it up and help you get sewed back on. I'm but good. I think my I think my anxiety was about control. Hmm. And now that I look back on it, I know that it was just those first losses of like, you can't control all of this. And so when they were sick, I couldn't control then what my day was going to look like. I had to really just surrender, you know, or you did, depending Mm -hmm. on which one of us had what going on. It was like, it was totally disrupting the schedule. It was was the expectation of like, oh, I was going to get this. I had this planned and now I don't anymore. So I think maybe that's my Enneagram oneness coming out that I look back on and think I was pretty... Pretty tight, strung, high strung back then regarding those things. Well, and you wanted to be perfect. I mean, we wanted yeah. to be perfect parents. We didn't yeah. want to screw it up. Right. And, I didn't want to do anything wrong. And, and I do think one of the one of our takeaways from the from the little kid age is that those babies are really resilient. Yeah, they're just like yeah. I mean, like physically resilient. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they put up with a lot. Yeah. And they they still do okay. But I think the blessing of this ministry for us has been in the midst of parenting. It's like I got to journey because I was such a young mom, you know, 20, had Hattie at 25, Lucy at 27, Gus at 32. Is that right? 32? Yeah. 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 Um, And because we, because we were doing life among ministry and women with other children, like Dixie's kids were close to my kid's age, you know, like Wendy had kids close to my kid's age. It was like, we're all in this together. And what I'm, what my eyes were seeing was like, nobody's getting this thing perfect, Mm. but every single one of us wants the same thing for our kids. And every single one of us, no matter what, socioeconomic status we come from, no matter if we live in an apartment, a hotel, or a home, like all of us want the best for our kids. Mm-hmm. All of us love our kids. All of us want our kids to have more than maybe what we had, you know? Um, we're just, we're moms, you know? And so that was the beauty of like the disruption of of this work and this ministry was like, it was then, it was like, oh, psh, okay, so all right, I got to let that go. Like, can't control it. It was such a great invitation for me to see my role a lot differently. Um, okay, Brett, I have a question for you. I hope I have an answer. What do you think is really important when we're talking about respect in children? We've had this conversation before. Mm, yes, the real respect thing. Mm-hmm. So clearly... Bible says, honor your mother and father. Mm-hmm. I get that. I would love for my kids to honor me and you. Um, but I'm a firm believer in, I, I, I think there's, a, there's an equality in terms of humanity, right? right? So we're all humans, mm-hmm. whether we're 45 or five, mm-hmm. okay? And so within that nature of relationship, there is a mutual respect. 100%. So I have to earn my kids' respect, Mm-hmm. I can't just expect it because I'm the parent. But that is so different. Is this a generational thing? Do it you may think? be. I mean, because it is not how we were necessarily raised in our true. parents' generation. That's true. It, and I mean, you like respect. Res- respect I do. is a big thing for you. It's a big deal. Um, but but I also acknowledge I have to earn it, mm. and they have to earn mine. Mm-hmm. You know. 
Mm-hmm. Um, ju- you know, just so you earn it, or you just said you have it because you're human. Well, you I, should I, I think, be respected I think as a yes, human. Yes, I think it's a both. I actually kind of think it's a both. And now okay. I'm thinking about it. I think okay. I think the depths are what's earned. I think there's a there's Do already you mean a trust or respect is earned. trust is earned. Respect is given. Respect for human beings is given. Are you talking yeah. about respect or trust? I'm talking about respect. Okay, so then, but I think I think it's got to be earned too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. There's that. there's some people I don't you respect. respect more than others. Yes, you have a you have a baseline. I have a like. baseline. I'm not going to shoot you. I respect you as a person. Right. I'm not going to kill you or but harm I don't, you I don't, in some way. I don't respect your decisions. Right. I don't respect your business practices. Mm-hmm. I don't respect. I mean. I don't know. I don't. Your opinion. This police. There, there's a police officer. For, this is make believe. There's yeah. a police officer. There's a respect factor, mm-hmm. but I don't respect the way he's policing me right now. Mm-hmm. See, I mean, mm-hmm. so it's like there's a, there's some layers there. Yeah. So yes, there's an inherent respect. I'm your father. Mm-hmm. You're my child. Mm-hmm. But I think the degree and the depths of that respect is informed by what's earned. So one of the things that has always been important to us is that, you know, everybody has a voice at the table. Yes. And so that is practicing mutual respect. So if my kid who is crying and has just been, you know, who knows, they come in outside, let's say they're, you know, they're playing outside with some other kids. Adults are in here maybe having dinner, you know, having a glass of wine or enjoying a meal together and good conversation. And your kid comes in and is like, you know, what do you do? Are you asking what I did? Sure. I mean, I'm just, we're having a conversation. Yeah. I I mean, I'd I'd want to gather information. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm probably, I'm not one of those kind of people who goes, who harmed my kid? Mm-hmm. If anything, I'm more on the other side. What did you do wrong? That's like my natural <laughs> instinct is what did you do wrong, Gus, first, when he may not have even done anything wrong. Um, but yeah, I want to get some information on what's going on. Who harmed what? what? What kind of repair needs to happen? But the old adage is that children are to be seen and not heard. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I grew up hearing that. But that's what I'm saying is that your kid comes in crying and... You know, the well, shutdown, my... the shutdown can occur. Or if a kid barges in, hey, can we go to, it's like, get out there and, you know, be quiet. Or, you know, we're having adult time and stuff. And, and we just have said, you know, um, there's a there's a proper way, especially for a kid to, if there's a conversation going on. It's not even like, oh, this is just adult time and this is kid time. And for there to be that, like, fear factor there, they can always approach the table. Yes. There's always a way to make sure they're not interrupting. Sure. But if they're hurt or harmed, it's not like, oh, you're fine. Yeah, I know. You're no. okay, <laughs> whatever. Just get on back out there and deal with it. And I and I think there's an attunement to our children that is showing them we respect you. We, ex- we respect your experience. We respect what just happened to you. We want to hear you. We want to hear your voice. Your voice matters. Your voice is important. Yeah, we and we don't always understand. do it perfect. I mean, gosh, we do not always do that perfectly, for sure. But um, <clears throat> but as a rule of thumb, I will say it is important to us to listen to our children's yes. voices. And, and to really try not to use that phrase, because I said so. 
Yeah, totally. So I'm, I don't want out my parents, but I heard that a lot from yeah. my dad. Yeah, it was and, just generational. And I think, I think on the one hand, I think that's a little bit of a lazy response. Sure. Uh, take out the trash. Why? Because I said so. Yeah. Well, I, I think I think a kid when they're asking why, they don't have language, but they're trying to ask something deeper than just why. Right. And and it's really our responsibility to kind of help them because they're they're inquisitive because they're learning new things. Why are you asking me to do this? It's not because they're being disrespectful in saying that. Right. right? Yes. It's because they generally want to know why do I have to do this right now? There, there's a reason you're asking me to do this. Yeah. And instead of me being annoyed and just dropping the because I said so bomb on them, yeah. well, that, that automatically creates a chasm. Mm-hmm. I've now, I've now kind of shamed you mm-hmm. because you mm-hmm. were wanting to know why I was asking this of you mm-hmm. versus me going, well, actually, because tomorrow is garbage day yeah, and I want you to start learning some responsibilities. And so yeah. everyone in the household is going to have responsibilities that they don't get paid for. Right. It's because you're Teamwork. a part of the you're team. You're part of the team. And taking out the trash is now going to be your responsibility. Yeah. And if you don't do it, there are consequences. Yeah. The consequences of we have full garbage cans. Mm-hmm. Now we have to wait a whole nother week. Consequences of you didn't do what I asked you to do. And so now you're going to lose some privileges. Mm-hmm. So it's just like if I don't pay the light bill, the lights get turned off. Mm-hmm. There are yeah. consequences to all of our actions. Yeah. And so in those moments, we're teaching our kids that. But if I just drop a because I said so on there, yeah, they're not going to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that um, one of the things that's so important in listening to our kids' voices is you mentioned the word shame. And so I think sometimes, especially, you know, in... And this is just my experience, but for me, growing up in a faith community, being an Enneagram One, I really wanted to find a faith and an ideology and a doctrine that I just subscribed to. It's like, tell me the right thing, tell me what I'm supposed to believe, tell me the way to do it, and I'll do that and check the list off, and here we go. But that kind of like systematic kind of thinking and dualistic kind of thought becomes really void of curiosity. And a relationship is curious Mm -hmm. and love is curious. And so love always has room for questions. And when we don't let our kids, it's like if God didn't let us have questions, Mm -hmm. it is such a, just a really egocentric kind of God, Mm -hmm. you know, that's just like narcissistic and, and that is not the kind of God that God is. God is relational and mutual. There's a mutuality to, and so I get to ask God questions. I get to come to God like a child and be curious about the world and be curious about the way things work. And so I feel like when our kids ask us like, why, like, why do I, why do I have to do that? Or why did you say this? Or why did Lucy get to do this? But I didn't get to do it. Why does she get the, we don't invite like, because I said so, because it, it shuts down the curiosity right. of, and it is lazy parenting because it, maybe you haven't thought about something that your kid has. Maybe your kid is smarter than you think they are. Maybe they're smarter than maybe you. Maybe they're smarter than you. And that is probably right. the case on some totally. things. <laughs> totally. But you know, I, I, I just think, I think we've got to dig deep. And I know when you come home from work and you're tired and you're dealing with everything you're dealing with. Oh, Brad. And you get met with a question 
from a five-year-old. Or an ask. Or an ask or this. And your knee-jerk response is, I just want to sit here and be left alone. Right. Yeah, let's tap into that a little bit. Because that is a struggle. Yeah, we got to dig deep. I mean, that is... That is probably, as life gets more full, probably one of the hardest things, I think. We've got this age gap. So, like, Hattie's 16. She's pretty independent. So, And she's introverted. So, we're, like, kind of pulling her out a little bit sometimes um, from behind the the room. You know, um, Lucy's extroverted. She's always wanting to kind of be with people. But Gus is just still wanting to play. I mean, he's mm-hmm. nine. He's a nine-year-old little boy. So, it's... Who can I throw the football with? Or who can I play basketball? Mm-hmm. Or do you want to play Fortnite? Or can we play Monopoly? Or can we, whatever it is, you know, there's this. Can we get on the roof? Can we get on the roof? What is this roof thing? I just love being up high, you know, but where, yeah, that is so important. I think the the challenge is like the busier things get and the more loaded you get in life and work and schedules to truly engage your kids where they're at takes energy. I also think it's important that we trust our kids. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And I and I realize, I mean, our trust has grown over the as we've totally. seen the more freedom they get Man. comes with how much we can trust you. Yeah. And you know, our kids are not perfect. Oh gosh. No. But I don't just love our kids. I like my kids. I like them. I do too. Like I, like I to want to spend a whole summer. Just with them. Like, I love to hear their thoughts. I love to hear their questions. And I love to hear their laughter. And I I like it when they argue sometimes. I think it's kind of funny. (laughs) Yeah, you, I know, you do better with that. I'm like... Stop it! I you mean, know, it, sometimes it, it just... needs to get shut down, but but I learn a lot about them even in their arguing. Right. Yeah. Like, and they so far, I mean, for the most part, they fight pretty well. I think I think Gus has been dealt an interesting hand yeah. because his sisters are significantly older than him. Yeah, and so we he has learned some things probably earlier than maybe for Hattie sure. had learned them. Oh yeah, being the firstborn. You're right. There's um, a little bit of the innocence that's. Kind of taken away from that third yeah, or I mean, plus kiddo. They talk about periods right in front of everybody. Right. right. And I guess he knows what that is now. Well, I mean, he no, he does not. I don't fully think he knows know. the fullness. I know no. we're we're supposed to have the talk. We're getting yeah. We're yeah. Gosh, all I, the to dos. Just learned. I'm a little bit behind the eight ball. Behind. Yeah, we gotta you. You gotta have that. I'm gonna have it. You for sure. I'm have a little to have nervous it. about it, but I'm gonna have it. Oh my gosh. It. Yeah, I had it with the girls. I mean, it's beautiful. I remember with Hattie, it was like. We were literally in the car and somebody had made a joke in class about it, about, you know, like a penis or something. I don't remember. And I remember her asking me the question, like, what, what exactly is not what is a penis, but maybe the word was intercourse or something. Mm -hmm. And so we had kind of, she, we'd alluded to all these things. Anyway. I mean, I end up like pulling over in a parking lot, getting out my notepad that I always have with me, did and you make I drew. Drawings? I like drew. I was like, "Did you draw a penis?" Yeah, I was like, this or "Did you is draw a flower you... with a stamen?" No, no, I drew as best I could. I was like, "This is your uterus. This is your vagina. These are your ovaries. These are the testicles. This is the penis. You know, this is the sperm. This is where. This is what semen is." I mean, I. Oh, you went there. I all there. Yeah, and I was like in. This is what fertilization, you know, of the egg, this is how it has to, you know, happen. This is how it happens in the natural world. 
Um, and so that's what intercourse, you know, is. And so, yeah, I just remember it was like, I was like, do you have any like questions about that? She was like, mm, nope. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for the lecture. And scene. So, so I'm, I'm driving Lucy to volleyball the other day. Yeah. And do, are we supposed to be saying, yeah, we're like, yeah, we can say this. Okay. And she goes, she goes, Hey dad, we had to write rap song on, right. on reproduction. Well, because they're talking about, um, cell division right. and they're talking about in science, they're talking about they're fertilization, talking about all, stuff, mm-hmm. all the internal stuff, the egg yeah. and the, all that yeah, yeah. stuff and the dividing of the, mm-hmm. And my mind immediately went to the sex part, right. not myosis or ptosis or whatever it's called. <laughs> and so I said, really? And she, got, she looked, she knew what I was saying when, the way that I said it. She looked at me and I'll never forget this. She goes, I'm not talking about the penis and the vagina part, dad. Oh my gosh. And right. I, <laughs> I busted out laughing. Thank you. Because I so appreciated that. Her honesty. Her honesty. Yeah. And she felt comfortable enough to say that. Right. She goes, I'm talking about the cell division and the zygote and then this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. And and then I said, well, what did you do it to? And she said, well, this song and then this song. And I was like, oh, Lucy. So funny. Sweet girl. Yeah. They were. That That's. It's so interesting, yeah, to have two girls on this end, and then you're you will have that conversation and guide yes. Gus kind of into um, into that. <laughs> I don't know how <laughs> honest we could get about what either our experiences or non experiences of the sex. Talk well, was. you mean that in our own lives that we had? Yes, I just am like. Well, I remember mine. I will never forget it. Oh Good my lord! Gosh. Can you talk about it? I think I'm just going to. It's. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> it's hilarious. And you know, our parents aren't perfect, no. and they had parent fails. I will tell you this, and I don't. I'm just going to say it. I don't think my dad even knows what a podcast is, <laughs> much less listens to it. But that fool didn't give me the talk. No. You want to know where I got the talk from? I'm with my mother. <laughs> On the way to uh. Dallas, and I'm in the back seat trying to go to sleep, and she doesn't say anything. She just pops in some cassette tapes. Of course. From James Dobson called mm. Preparing for Adolescence. <laughs> I think I need some counseling. I don't know. It's so, we never talked about it. Oh there was my no, gosh. it was just, I'm going to play five cassettes all the way to Dallas. And we can see her, her earnest, like her earnest care. Though. Yeah. She was and like, my husband hadn't done it. So yeah, I'm going to do like it. And trying to resource you in the best way she could. And I was mortified. And you had an older brother. I mean, significantly older, seven years older, yeah. just kind of that gap, like hat between Hattie and, right. you know, Gus. So it is a big, so you know, Hattie's having boyfriends. Jeff, your brother was having, you know, girlfriends. So you're, you're gathering like all this information, but you really don't have language for it. And so your mom's attempt truly was to give you some language like yeah. for it, yeah. but awkward. Boy, I mean, <laughs> awkward for James Thompson. Really, <laughs> really weird. Oh my gosh. Golly. It's just amazing though. I just think that memory is so it's just so amazing. I think it's a hilarious story. It is a and funny story. And the fact story. it had to be the, you know, the very Christian perspective. Yes, right, right. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I think that probably one of the biggest uh, things for us to acknowledge is that parenting fails are a reality. Yes, no and, perfect. And there's a repair that is so beautiful in family when you can own your failure. Yes. Oh, like... What a relief 
to get to own it. I mean, I, I have had to own so many moments, too many moments for me to even share that I don't even know if I want to fully public. They are so intimate and they are so um, broken that my failures came out of so much of my own deep brokenness. And so, but but being able to own them with your kids is beautiful. And and some of them we can laugh at. Some of them we can. Like my kids love to make fun of my angry voice, Mm. particularly Lucy. Yeah. You know, they love to like mimic that. (laughs) I'm not mad. (laughs) Yeah. Not mad. I uh, know you're just passionate. I'm just you're talking very really passionately right sometimes, now. right? And I think just my explosions, me trying to be so perfect and hold everything in, and then erupting in a big when I just have lost it at times is so destructive, you know. And it's just, it's so sad because it just, it's it is my own junk. And so I think one of the things I've really, especially the past few years, have just you know been really, really focused on is my own health, my own mental, emotional, spiritual, physical health, getting help where I've needed it, finding what those broken pieces of my life are, where my fear comes from, where my expectations come from, and taking care of myself. Like we have to own our own junk as parents. It's like, if you want to know how to be a great parent, I'm like, the parents I really respect are really healthy individuals. You know, it's not just like, oh, this one thing they've done really well. It's like they're good humans, you know? And I think that once you do your own work and you start doing it, it does feel like a big deconstruction because all those old things that worked like, you know, this major like authoritarian, like paternalistic, Mm -hmm. you know, hierarchy that you rule and reign your family, this iron fist with or whatever, once all that becomes deconstructed, it is very vulnerable because you don't really know how to piece it back together if you let all that, if you let that system go. But the beautiful part is that you hear, you hear your kids so differently. Mm-hmm. Like you get to see a part of them and they, they begin to allow you to see parts of them that they would have never let you see if you were ruling and reigning with this perfection iron fist. Absolutely. They let you in. Yeah. When you can let them in, it's like they are able to let you in. And it's just... It's fun being able to have that privilege. It really is. Because there are some parents out there who don't have that. Yeah. They think they do, but they don't. Yeah. I mean, their kids don't tell them things. Yeah. And And that's where it gets a little... That's a scary place to be, I think. Yeah. And I know our kids don't tell us every single oh, thing. Oh, no, totally. It's not, I'm sure it's not but even I, really healthy. I think they <laughs> tell us a lot more. I, they, they probably say a lot more than I said. Oh, f- yeah. There's, I am, I am very, very thankful for right now. We can say <laughs> right now where we're, where we're at, even though we are raising teenagers. Like, yes, are these years hard? Sure. Like, but every season has had its hard and every season has had its moment of beauty, you know, and mm-hmm. these precious, precious spaces. But, um, you know, I think the hardest part is just the pace of the teenage years. That's probably as I'm getting older and I don't I mean how to have really older, older parents do it. Cause I feel like I'm still a pretty young parent and yeah. man, the pace, There's a lot. the pace, it, it's like, we have to intentionally rest and ground and like, no, shut it down. 
We're having a family moment, we're family night. <laughs> nobody's coming in. Nobody's going nope, out. I'm not taking you anywhere else Shut today. off the phones. Go get your driver's license. <laughs> right. I'm coming, but go get your driver's license, and yes. then you can go to the Chick-fil-A. And oh, my gosh. While you're getting your driver's license, get a job yeah. to pay for that Chick-fil-A. Yeah. It's so funny. I'm tapped out. But what do you think? What do you think about the fact that you and I are romantically expressive in front of our children? Right. Yeah. Um, so I think it's important to be physically affectionate in front of your kids, but I don't think it's okay to be um, sexually mm-hmm. charged in a way that's uncomfortable. Yeah, that would. <laughs> I, you know, like. Um, I think physical and romantic affection is important. And I think dating each other is important. And Mm -hmm. I think creating that romantic interest that we don't just, we're not just co-parents. Like we're actually attracted to one another. I want to slow dance with you in the kitchen if a song comes on that I like. And my kid walks in and I'm like, oh, sorry, we were slow dancing. Like that's weird. Um, So we're going to slow dance. We're going to kiss. But, you know, I think when it becomes... Yeah, to they already know. I mean, they know we have sex, right? They yeah. don't. They don't need to really be able to envision. <laughs> what is that? Well, and you know, you know, I know on the funny side of things that, but also, I mean, I, I think I teach Gus mm-hmm. how yeah. to treat a woman by totally. the way that I treat you. Yes, and even even by going up and just you know grabbing you, grabbing yeah. this. It's like, it, did did did. Gus's mom just turned into an object right there. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I'm not meaning to do that, Mm-mm. but I do think that's communicating. And it's also, you know, showing the the girls. Can, do I? I mean, can you just come up and grab me? Yeah, but I mean, we do like pat each other, you know, on the sure, butt here but and there's there. A, there's a mu- but there's a there's a there's a mutuality and there's a respect nature there. I don't just walk up and grab your boob. No, right in front of our kids. Right. Um, yes. That would be very disrespectful. Yeah. I think. Right. Yeah. I, I do. I just don't think they need to probably see and experience when it's so sexually charged. Right. You know, I just, that's, that becomes almost like pornographic. Right. And, but I do know. want to give them the gift that we're okay. Yeah. We, we, we love each other. Yeah, we like we each like other. We like each other. We're we have attracted. fun together. We have a physical attraction to one another. We like to kiss in front of our kids. We, you know, not make out, but they are going to know that we are physically attracted and to I think one that, another. I think that's a gift to them. Yeah. And yeah. while right now they get grossed out by it, I think sure. if they're really honest, they would go, yeah, my parents love each other. Yes, exactly. One of the things that... um we know parenting takes is a village. Mm, Lord, um, yes. So we have not done this all on our own. We we have co-parented in some ways with so many other families, two other families to be very you know specific with. Um, we do neighborhoods. We do we love our kids to be in community with other families and everybody does their own parenting a little bit different so every every sing, you know every family has their own boundaries for what they think is healthy for their family but then we kind of share and overlap you know we don't let other people at all spank our children we were never okay with that i don't even know now i don't even know that i've spanked gus now that he's nine my my even thought on that whole thing on discipline is 
you know, changed as we've gotten older. And I don't know if that's because I've changed or I guess it was easy or what, but, you know, we don't let community, you know, spank our kids and even grandparents or family members. Um, and we never did, but we also, you know, um, trust that it's good for our, for our kids to be influenced by the way other families do life and to live together and to raise your kids together and have family experiences is so important. Meal sharing, vacations, you know, after school, um, well, even work projects, ministry projects. Yeah, right? I mean, just even in the ministry context, our kids have had. I mean, they probably traveled more than they a lot travel. of kids. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, they've been all over this country. Carpool, we rely on that a lot. We were just today. It was like, hey, texting a mom, can you pick up the kids? We're going to do this podcast a little later than we thought. Yes, I mean, it just takes a village, and we're okay with that. Yeah. Like we're okay with other people like having an influence on our kids because. We trust what we've built. Right. We're trusting what we've built together. And we, we do trust our kids. And we've had really great, I mean, as much as we have great families that have helped, uh, we, we live in a city where we don't yeah, have family. We don't have family here. So right. we've had to rely on our friends. We've had some family. wonderful college students, though. Totally. Who've gone on the road with us yes. to help out. And that's, that's really shaped the kids. It and has. I don't have a problem with that. I remember one birthday party. Hattie wanted a babysitter birthday party when she was little. That's right. And we had all of her former nannies show up to surprise her and take them out. So it was like all her worlds collided, like all her favorite babysitters, like all got together and like took the girls out for, yeah, for ice cream and pizza. It was like, that was so fun. Yeah, it was cool. And none of them really knew each other. None of them knew each other. Right. But their common denominator was the the girls. So it was kind of fun. Yeah, that's neat. And our job, you know, not everybody has a nanny. I get that. Our job kind of lended itself to to need that. Needing it, yeah. Um, But, you know. Yeah, it takes a village. It takes a village. It takes a village, and it's a beautiful thing to watch. And I have mad respect for single parents. I have so much respect for single parents. I I, I can't. I'm almost speechless. Yeah. It, It becomes a... A totally different ball game when you are the sole responsible parent in a dynamic. And man, I can't wait to have some of the women who've done it so remarkably on the podcast. Oh my gosh, yes, they are so heroes. So we can talk, they are heroes. And to just to talk about what resilience looks like in that and what they want for their kids too. I just mad respect all the way around for single moms. Um, one of the encouragements we want to give kind of as we wrap up the show is Brett and I have been learning a lot about value systems and um, really values, personal values as a compass to doing your own value work on what tethers you to the core of who you are to help you make decisions, guide you kind of as a compass as you go throughout life. But it's also been really fun to ask our kids and take kind of votes and input on what do we value as a family. And so we would encourage you guys to um, do some of that work on your own. And it doesn't have to be hard. And it doesn't have to be super. Tell them how we did it. Yeah. So we we um, told them what a value was, that it's this compass that is a, you know, a guide that you, a moral... Um, why am I blanking on my word? It just, it's something to guide us. It's yeah. something we hang our hat on so as a family. So it's a word, it, you know, it's a word. And this became a project kind of for us to do together, kind of as a team building exercise within our 
family one night over supper. So you called us after dinner. You yeah. called us together. Yeah. And we sat around the living yeah, room. Yeah, I did this. You didn't. So some, here's what I also want to say to women in your family. You don't have to wait on your husband for the things that you're desiring spiritually. That's right. If you value it, pick yes. it up and encourage some of us to come along who... I don't really think about. And I think there's a lot of wives and a lot of moms who are resentful of their Mm. husbands because they don't have what they want. And so one of the things that I think has been so empowering to me is say, well, I can have it. If I, if I want this, if this is what I'm valuing is this connection time around, you know, bigger subjects and visionary, like then do it. Right. And, and on the flip side, men, if your wife does that, don't be threatened by it. That's good. Yeah. I mean, it's not, if you didn't think of it, then you don't get the credit for it. Yeah. So support your wife in in something that she values as important and support her. We get to support our wives as much as they support us. Yes. And if you think it just needs to be all about you being supported, enjoy that ride because it's not going to be fun. (laughs) So we came together after dinner and we just said, so think about some words that are that are um, kind of a compass that you would say, this is my guide for life. These are things that I really value, that I really put a lot of emphasis on, things that you want our family to put a lot of emphasis it's on. It's going to inform how we spend our money, how we plan our calendar. Yes. All that kind of stuff. Yeah, what explained. are the things that are Im- most important to us? What are the things that are most valuable to our family? And so we each wrote down words, and it was so fun because... A lot of us came up with the same things in the number one value. Do you remember what it is? What is it? Fun. Fun. <laughs> I loved that. All, I was all, like, all five of us came up with fun. All five of us said fun. So we wrote down five words we, and we put them in order. So we said, you know, order yours. And so we had um, fun, faith. So, you know, some of the kids or you or whoever, it was like Jesus or following Christ or, you know, Christianity. Um, so we, we called that faith. Mm-hmm. So fun and faith, respect was also a huge win. Yes. Um, community was our other one. And then what was our fifth one? I don't have them in front of me right now. I should have memorized them. But anyway, they're on a list. And so then what we did after we named our five is we then took those to be five discussions that we had across dinner. Like, let's talk about what it means to have fun. Like, what does fun look like to you? What does it look like to you? And everybody kind of had a different take on it. So then you can come up with a definition for each one and print them out, put them somewhere where we can see them. And we haven't even gotten that far yet. But everybody participated. I mean, Gus participated. He had an opinion on what in the world fun looks like for this Mills family. Yes. And so like for the value of respect, what was interesting is things that came up for, you know, um, some of the kids was like privacy or one of the things was like getting to finish my sentence. Yes. So all of that is connected to respect. Mm -hmm. We're going to respect the other, you know? Um, and so that, that became kind of how we, so you can gather all these words and information that kind of give it a bigger word that encapsulates what that means. We would love to hear from you on parenting things that you do. Um, you know, any kind of activities or tips or tricks or shoot us an email. I'd I'd love to see what other people are doing and, and what, what are the wins going on in your family and what are your growing edges? I mean, we're all in this thing together. There is no perfect parent. 
There are no perfect kids. Yeah. Um, but you know, we can walk with one another as we go through this. And absolutely. And we'll make sure to link on the podcast uh, site. We'll list some of our favorite resources as parents that we've either listened to podcasts or some books that we've read. Um, maybe some values work. And then I know Brene Brown also has an incredible parenting manifesto that is great to read and and live by as well. And somebody was just telling me, I think in a tournament, about how to talk to your kids about sex. Hmm. And it was written <laughs> it was written by the the people who make the American girl doll. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We we You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well they wrote one for boys. Oh, interesting. I haven't read it, but I was just told about it. I thought yeah. it was interesting. I think we had the book years ago for the girls, but anyway, I just ended up doing a drawing in a parking lot. So <laughs> again, another book thing. flies out the window. Hey buddy, when you see those cows out there, that cow's not trying to get a piggyback. There you go. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Hey, this has been fun. It's been great. We hope you'll um, make sure you like the podcast on iTunes. Make sure you share it with your friends. If you've got questions, you can always email us at Brett with two T's at JesusSaidLove.com or Emily, E-M-I-L-Y at JesusSaidLove.com. Follow us on Instagram at B.A. Mills at Love Waco at JesusSaidLove at Wild underscore Torch. Coming up. April 23rd. Get some tickets. It's going to be a blast. And speaking of parenting, our kids will be there helping us with that one too. They're going to be serving. (laughs) They're going to love it. Well, thanks for joining us, guys. And as always, never forget to share the love. Hey, thanks for joining the Jesus Said Love podcast. We are so glad you have chosen to awaken hope and empower change with us. We want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave us a review Yes, because your voice matters. It's how we get this message into the world. And lastly, be sure to follow Jesus Said Love on Instagram and Facebook for up-to-date info and visit the website at JesusSaidLove.com for how you can join the JSL fam. Until next time. Share the love.